What if you had a water buffalo like everybody's got, but you couldn't find your hairbrush? And your Swiss veterinarian wouldn't stop yodeling while you sang love songs to your cheeseburger? And then to jump universes, what if you found two salt-preserved squirrels in a cave by the Dead Sea and tried to sneak them home, but then they came back to life and told you about first century and Jesus's ministry? One man has helped create all of this faith-based lesson-teaching lunacy, and he is our guest today on Fantastical Truth. Welcome anew to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and apply their meanings to the real world Jesus calls us to serve. I'm E. Stephen Burnett, co-host number one. I publish lorehaven.com. I also helped co-author the nonfiction book about fiction called The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell, and I do not have a water buffalo, so I would like to speak to the manager, please. And this is episode 113. What if you learn Bible lessons from singing veggies and Dead Sea Squirrels? And we'll have a special guest, Mike Naraki. Mike Naraki is the co-creator of VeggieTales and also the creator of the Dead Sea Squirrels, uh, which started life as a middle grade series. It's been very popular at the Realm Makers bookstore, uh, one of our top sellers when I was with Realm Makers and Pigeon Forge just a couple of weekends ago. And Mike will actually be at the booth himself uh, to sign copies and talk veggies and squirrels uh, with many thousands of adoring homeschool family fans. Well, this is going to be great, Stephen, to talk to Mike. Um, during the pandemic, our, when we were doing you know virtual church and whatnot, our church would put together a kids program every morning for our, our younger kids. But then at some point, they stopped that because we went back to uh, you know in-person church. And then there, but there was a time where we were still at home, or maybe we would go back, but then one week we'd all get sick with something else, just normal sickness. And so our kids would need something to watch. And what do you know? We have lots of VeggieTales DVDs uh, sitting around our house. And those have been a staple of our family the last uh, couple of years. I found VeggieTales a lot later than some of the other kids. Uh, I remember reading about it somewhere and then suddenly saw the videos playing. I think we were on vacation at Focus on the Family or something. VeggieTales did not come from Focus on the Family, but Focus on the Family was promoting one of those videos. And I think it was Dave and the Giant Pickle. And that looked so strange to me, but it was <laughs> obviously noteworthy. Uh, and then, uh, as we talk about later with Mike, suddenly VeggieTales was just everywhere. It was haunting the youth groups. It was taking over the kids' birthday parties, and with good reason. Uh, even those who are not Christians now who deconstruct and leave evangelicalism and all that, uh, they cannot quit VeggieTales. That's a high point of their existence, uh, even when they were among evangelical culture. Well, VeggieTales is still around, and uh, so is Mike Naraki. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he's going to be at the F. EEA conference, uh, May 26th through 28th. Uh, that's in 2022. If you're listening to this podcast on release day, it'll be this upcoming weekend. I'll be there as well. I'll get to meet Mike uh, and spend time with several other uh, Christian authors of fantastical stories. Tim Shoemaker will be there. James R. Hannibal will be there again, along with Rebecca P. Minor. Uh, Catherine Jones Payne will be there. Emily H. Jeffries, Kristen Stifel, and as I mentioned, yours truly. That's the Florida Parent Educators Association Conference in Orlando. They actually get a keynote address uh, from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So I'm hoping to uh, leave the booth for just a few minutes and skip over there and see what he has to say. Uh, whatever you may think of this particular political leader who might be running for president and everything, uh, he's a big homeschool family supporter. So that's why they have him there again. I'm looking forward to seeing that. 
And maybe, gentle listener, if you happen to be in the Orlando area and you get bored with Disney World or the Harry Potter Land or any of that, come on over to the convention center. We will include all the links in the show notes about the event. You know, VeggieTales is one of those interesting things, Stephen, where you can't really see what spawned it. Like you, you, it, it isn't just like a direct copy of something in secular culture and then was slapped with the Christian label. Like it's so unique. It's so original, but I've also seen how it has influenced other things. Um, I, I can't prove this at all, but I, I totally see uh, some inspiration being drawn from VeggieTales for one of my favorite cartoons, which is a uh, Homestar Runner and Strong Bad. You know, Homestar Runner has no arms and yet he's able to hold things. And there's just a very just silly, wacky style to it. A lot of silly songs. And uh, I, I think it's really has inspired. I think VeggieTales really has inspired a lot of other cool things in culture. Almost certainly has. Uh, there's uh, there's been an influence of VeggieTales uh, outside of the evangelical subculture from which it arose. People will talk about it. They'll comment about it. Uh, usually positive from what I've seen. Like I said, even those who seem to despise Christianity now have fond memories for VeggieTales. So maybe remember then that Jesus Christ is the one who gave those guys the talents that they have and then find your way back to him. If you liked VeggieTales, whatever you liked about it, uh, is probably something that you would like about Jesus. Uh, and as Mike says, though, there was never a veggie Jesus, for which I'm very <laughs> grateful, uh, which led to the creation of the Dead Sea Squirrel series, which explores more about the life of Christ. Uh, I mentioned that uh, Realmakers Bookstore is the host for uh, those book signings, and those authors uh, coming up here in Florida. That leads to our first sponsor for this episode. Once again, the Realmakers 2022 conference this is coming up fast, coming up in July of this year, July 2022. Here's more information about that conference. It's uh, Atlantic City, July 21st through 23rd of 2022. Here's how they pitch it. Are you excited to take the next step in your speculative fiction journey? Then you don't need to take a trip to space or time travel or forge your own sword. Instead, just join us for Realm Makers 2022. It's an annual writers conference and it's in person in Atlantic City. But if you can't get there, it's also live online. You can watch the classes live streaming in real time, even if you can't travel physically to Atlantic City. Whether you're attending real or online, you can connect on the Realm Sphere, a dedicated conference space and online community. This will be an amazing value, too, because this year, every conference attendee gets access to replays of every class available through the Realm Sphere. Whether you're attending in real life or virtually, if you have, say, a story you've made, if you yourself count as a Christian creator of fantastical fiction and you think an agent or a publisher or an editor may want to have a look at this story, pitch it at Realm Makers. You can see more information in our show notes for this episode, 113, or just go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Zach, I hear a strange sound outside, almost like a flying creature you don't ordinarily expect to fly, so I wonder what fantastical transport means Mike Naraki has taken to arrive in the studio. Let's go and see. Mike Naraki has just arrived in the Lorehaven Studios aboard the back of a flying squirrel. He is the co-creator of VeggieTales and the voice of the beloved Larry the Cucumber. He has been making entertaining and wholesome content for kids since 1993. He created, wrote, and directed most of the extremely popular Silly Songs with Larry segments and lent his screenwriting and directing talents to VeggieTales episodes, as well as their movies Jonah and the Pirates Who Don't Do Anything. Mike also developed and wrote for 3, 2, 1, Penguins and authored a number of VeggieTales books and CD projects. 
course, his latest series is the very popular Dead Sea Squirrels series. And we'll talk about that later in this interview. Mike also serves as assistant professor of film and animation at Lipscomb University and co-hosts the weekly podcast, The Bible for Kids, now on loan at the Fantastical Truth podcast. So, Mike, very glad you're here. Stephen, thank you so much for having me. Great to meet you both and uh, Zach as well. Great to see you, Mike. Well, I remember in, I guess it was 93, 94 when uh, Where Is My Hairbrush came out. So the church I was going to at the time uh, got a big screen and rented like a space at a park or something and showed that. And it was like, what is this? This is crazy. Like, how fun. So it's really, really cool to meet you after, what, 30 years or so that that came out. Wow. So you you go way back yep. then. That's 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 a, a, a old school veggie. Yeah. So we I remember, yeah, I think that was our third episode was where is it? Yeah. So I think 94 maybe would have been it or early 95. So yeah, that's, that's going way back. So yeah. So how did you first get into creative stories? How did you first discover Christian fantasy, Christian uh, fiction and just biblical truth in general. Wow, you know, well, I grew up a huge fan of, of fantasy literature. Um, you know, and I think probably my first fantasy book was uh, Terry Brooks um, uh, and uh, the sort of. Yes, uh, I, 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 I've said Shannara, but people have uh, uh, corrected me that it's Shannara. I guess. Genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. Said so, it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he so, was at Realm Makers as a guest of honor a few years ago, and yeah, he he gave the correct pronunciation, which I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, but I, I, I love that book. Of course, uh, you know, I loved Narnia. I loved, uh, Lord of the Rings growing up, the Dune books. I remember reading those. Um, uh, but I also, nice. you know, I, I grew up, I grew up in the church, uh, grew up Catholic initially. And then, uh, right when I was around 13 years old, uh, my dad came to, to know the Lord. Um, and he was, he, he was transferred over to Washington DC. He was a, he was a military guy and we were living in Colorado and we couldn't sell our house initially. So he moved out into his, was living with his commanding officer for a while, came to know the Lord. When we were eventually reunited as a family, we had a brand new dad and we were all really like, you know, amazed at this new creature that we had discovered. And so, um, you know, it made the rest of the family really interested in diving deeper into our faith and, um, became, involved in a Christian and missionary Alliance, uh, church in the Washington DC area. And I, you know, just started really getting involved in the youth group and that church and another church went to, uh, just, you know, very dynamic youth group, very uh, arts ministry. So I started, you know, singing and acting and becoming involved that way in church. And I just loved making people laugh. I found that that's what was really, you know, drove me. And I was a huge fan of, the Dr. Demento radio show, uh, which ah. played every Sunday night. And I think they're making a, uh, they're making a doc or a movie now about Al Yankovic. So that'll probably come up in, in, uh, an Al, Al Yankovic's movie, but a big Al Yankovic fan. I love parody music probably more than, than other music. And so I, I, I just had this love of story, this love of music, uh, this love of performing. I had no idea that that could actually be a career, you know, mm. much less a ministry. I walked forward at a, a youth conference when I was um, a, a junior in high school and dedicated my vocation to ministry. And the best I could figure out in my 17 year old brain at that time was that I was going to be um, a missionary doctor. You know, our, our Christian Missionary Alliance are very missions minded. You know, I thought my mom was a nurse, my dad was an engineer, my older brother was a chemistry major in college at the time. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I, I saw myself and, uh, you know, I went away to college having done all these creative things, you know, this writing and, you know, performing and everything and even puppetry and, you know, ended up meeting Phil Vischer on the puppet team at, uh, 
St. Paul Bible College, uh, you know, on St. Paul Bible College campus. And we just started writing, performing and just having a great time together. And that obviously, you know, eventually led to VeggieTales years down the road. But, 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 you know, the long winded answer to my question is, or your question was that, yeah, I, I, these things were always, I felt so much of a charge, uh, just, just in, in energy and just in passion about telling stories, about connecting with people, about making people laugh. Um, and it's just been amazing to be able to integrate that with my faith and, you know, do that for, for now so many years. Yeah. It sounds like you were at a church that really nurtured your love of fantasy, your love of stories. Uh, when, you know, yeah. when we started talking about Dune in the Shannara Shannara series. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was I was listening for something specific. I was listening to see if you would say, "Oh, but I didn't know anyone else who liked these books," or I was kind of a weirdo, or people try to discourage me. But it sounds like uh, I could be wrong. But my my assumption here is that those were not discouraged, and and maybe even encouraged because you had, like you said, that arts. Uh, program or ministry at your church. So did, did I? Yeah, that yeah. Right? You know, yeah. I think that's that's fair to say. You know, none of that was discouraged. You know, even even you know, because I remember there was sort of the rumbling of oh, you know, rock music is not you know, it's bad to listen to, and I, and we really didn't get any of that at our church either. Um, uh, so that that wasn't a discouragement. And I think more more than that, my older brother um, Bob, he is six or seven years older than me. And he you was have an really older into brother all those named things. Bob. Wait a second. I yeah. do. Is this yeah, yeah, I've on in the past. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, we need to put up, pump the brakes here. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so he was he was really so he 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 kind of you know uh, you know made me aware initially of these of these you know of these books, and so I, I kind of came to them after him. So so I you know he he encouraged me into this literature, and so yeah, I, I it was very I found a you know nothing to push back on me to say oh no don't listen to this or don't read this. Um, you know, for me it was just you know, great exploration and, and had a great time uh, diving into all this stuff. And, you know, and particularly with C.S. Lewis, with Narnia and, you know, other, other fiction, you know, great divorce, other uh, screw tape letters. Uh, I just, just ate that stuff up. I absolutely loved it. I was raised similarly, Mike. And then uh, even at, for a time, I had a puppet stage in the basement. Uh, that was actually right around the time VeggieTales was taking off. So you all had obviously gotten to the puppetry earlier and then uh, reading uh, Phil Vischer's book, Me, Myself and Bob. Uh, from yeah. his vantage, he comments a lot on like how the puppet ministry led to, uh, you know, the opportunity to get his computer animation rig and, you know, try animating a, a candy bar and uh, yeah. not to step on your story here, but uh, that's uh, some of the origins of VeggieTales there that he's described. But I'm curious then from yeah. your vantage, uh, what led you to help create uh, the hit VeggieTales, basically a blockbuster franchise in which you ended up then uh, effectively being. Uh, the youth group <laughs> for a lot of kids, <laughs> for uh, a lot of kids yeah, yeah. cultures and 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 yeah. to this day you know many people like even uh there's a couple of teenagers i was talking to i uh, said hey we're gonna have mike naraki and fantastical truth he helped co-create veggie tales and that is the first guest i think we've had on this podcast uh whose product they knew uh and had some very fond memories about with the silly songs and everything so I, I mentioned, you know, meeting Phil at, at school and, um, you know, he and I would, would write and perform these, these puppet shows together. And we like to say that we, and, and we, we perform them at different churches around the college. This was in, you know, near the Minneapolis, St. Paul area, St. Paul Bible college is what the college was called. It's now called crown college. It's in the kind of the Western suburbs of Minneapolis. And so we, we would like, we like to say we would roam, we would roam the Minnesota countryside, scaring the Baptists with our puppets. <laughs> and so we just had this really crazy, you know, we both grew up huge Jim Henson fans, uh, obviously Monty Python fans, 
um, Mel Brooks, you know, Dr. Demento, uh, you know, Weird Al Yankovic. We had all those things and interjected into that, you know, into our thing. But then also, you know, a deep faith and wanted to integrate stories of the faith into these, real, you know, stories that would, you know, be humorous and, and, and engaging for kids. So we love doing that, you know, and again, for me, this was just, I, I was just passing through this school. I, I was only going to go there for a year or two as the denominational college. It didn't have a pre-med program. Um, and so I had planned on moving on after a year or two and came to find that Phil also had a similar plan because he wanted to go to film school and they didn't have film school. And so, uh, so we made this, this great plan. Okay. We're going to, uh, we'll, we'll both go here for a year and a half. Uh, we'll go back home for a semester. He was in, he lived in Chicago. I lived in Denver and then we'll, we'll move out to Los Angeles. We'll be roommates and we'll go to, you go to film school. I'll go to pre-med. It'll be great. Cause we're, we were such good friends. And so we, we made those plans. I went back to Denver. He went back to Chicago at the end of the year and a half, uh, at that, at St. Paul. And, um, he landed a job. He landed an internship at a video post-production, uh, company. And then they offered him a job, uh, in, in doing kind of what he wanted to do. And so he, he was like, well, I don't think I'm going to do school. And so I'm roommateless all of a sudden. And, um, and my parents at the time were actually going through a divorce, uh, and the home, my home life was really rough. And so I just needed to get out of there. And so I just decided, well, there's just as many places in Chicago to do pre-med as there are in Southern California. So I packed up everything that I owned in a, in my 1980 red Ford Fiesta, um, which is the, the same uh, car in the cheeseburger song, by the way, <laughs> for those of you who can remember <laughs> yes, it the little is. car that, that pulled correct. up to the, yeah, that was my, I that was my, the drive through till sunrise. <laughs> That's right. And so moved up to, uh, moved up to Chicago. Um, you know, started working to get residency in Illinois, enrolled at the university, of Illinois, Chicago, um, to do pre-med. Uh, in fact, and then I, I got a job with at, at Renaissance video, which is where, you know, Phil was working. I, I got a job as the, the graveyard VHS duplicator. And so I would <laughs> graveyard shift. So from, from like 10, I don't, I don't know what it was, 10, uh, PM to 6 AM, I would duplicate videotapes, but I, I started to, you know, get to know the equipment. You know, I had run sound for my brother's band in high school, so I kind of had some technical ability. Um, so, but just getting to know the equipment more, Phil was working there and we just, you know, we had this opportunity and this availability of equipment, you know, now that is so common. I mean, you can take your iPhone out and shoot a, you know, pretty decent movie. Um, but back then it was, you know, you just couldn't do that. And so, but we were at this video post house where we had these cameras and this editing equipment. And, and so we started to take advantage of that and just do these little projects and just had a lot of fun. You know, Phil was very still, you know, driven on, okay, you know, uh, you know, filmmaking and all that. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor, but this is fun. I'll kind of do this in, until, you know, I need to go away. And so, um, but we just kept working on these projects and then along comes computer animation and it's like, wait a minute, we could kind of do what we did with puppets with this new technology. Um, we would just need really simple characters with no hair and no clothes and, you know, um, you know, uh, no appendages. And uh, uh, <laughs> and you mentioned candy bars. Phil actually modeled a candy bar initially. And then his wife, Lisa, who later turned into the voice of Junior Asparagus, you know, kind of walked by and she said, Phil, I don't think moms are going to appreciate kids learning, you know, biblical values from candy bars. It just doesn't seem healthy. And so, uh, so, his <laughs> so the next thing that popped into Phil's mind was, well, vegetables are healthy and they're limbless. So let's try that. And so then, uh, you know, the cucumber with eyes was born who la later became Larry, obviously, and then Bob. So, um, so, but, you know, so playing around with all of this, uh, and, and we actually put a, put together a, a little demo, a little five minute demo to try to sell the show. Phil went out to raise money to do that. We're working at the same company at this time, still in video post as our day jobs, kind of doing this at night. 
And, you know, meanwhile, I, you know, got done with my pre-med. I was a biology and history major and I applied with the Peace Corps. And um, I was, my plan was then to go over, teach biology in Africa for two years and then come back and go to medical school. Well, the the very same month that I got my acceptance letter from Peace Corps, we found out that we got funding for VeggieTales to make our first episode. So, um, so that was a really pivotal moment in my life. Here's the moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Here it is. The moment of choice. in the road. Yeah, it totally was. Yeah, I just see that I, you know, I, I, even when I say that, I, I picture the, the, the scarecrow with his arms crossed, you know, going this way or that way, you know, in the Wizard of Oz. And, um, and so I prayed about it and asked people in my life who knew me well, you know, what should I do? And, you know, I really, what it came down to is I really felt like God had gifted me in a way that he wanted to use me, um, you know, and, and so I, you know, turned down the Peace Corps offer and we got to work on Where's God When I'm Scared. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it was, you know, for, uh, we, we still, we took out ads in Christian parenting magazines to sell the first episode. We didn't have a distribution deal. We, we got about 500 orders for the very first VHS. Uh, I think we spent about 60,000, you know, in production to make the first one. And we we should probably define what a VHS is for our, (laughs) I know, right. For all the kids out there. (laughs) Before before streaming video, before (laughs) DVDs, before Before DVD, I know. And do it. And, and, and in fact, that was, you know, one of the reasons that we were able to do that because it was a point in history where, you know, before that any content creator needed to rely on either being in a film, you know, uh, you know, having a film release, you know, in a film theater or being on television, you know, those are the gatekeepers. And then along comes this technology to say, wait a minute, you can create something and people can watch it in their houses, you know, and that had never happened before. And so, so this convergence of, you know, computer animation, which made you know, animating a half hour video, uh, possible for a handful of people and this, you know, delivery technique of a VHS, you know, it's like, okay, we, this is something that you can do now, which that you couldn't do before. And so, um, so, but anyways, the, you know, $15 a pop at, you know, 500 orders, you know, the math doesn't come out to 60,000. <laughs> so if you do that, you know, a little bit less than that, quite a bit less than that. But one of the orders came from, we did, this was all up in Chicago. One of the orders came from a, um, a record label in Nashville who was starting a kid's label, a kid's video label. Uh, and they saw our ad and were, were intrigued and ordered a copy and loved it. And then uh, signed us up for a distribution deal. So then we would, you know, from show two on, we would get advances on production um, and, you know, allowing us to, you know, produce the show and then put it out. But we were still, we were still squeaking by, you know, because um, the, the advances weren't, weren't very much. And, uh, you know, so we still had to, you know, supplement our income and do all of that for a number of years until the show really started. So this was 93, 94. This, the show really started to take off um, around 98, 90, 97, 98. Um, and things went kind of bonkers after that. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, think yeah, I so was that's, on the receiving end of that. I, I may have seen uh, probably not one of the ads in the parenting magazines you mentioned. But I do remember seeing an ad, I think, in a kid's magazine. Maybe it was the Focus on the Family Clubhouse magazine, uh, yeah. to which I was subscribed back then. And yeah. I remember seeing, yeah, the VHS tape. You know, I was I was into the Adventures and Odyssey VHSs there uh, at the time. Yeah. And I see VeggieTales and I go like, well, what, what, what is this? <laughs> Where is God when I'm so scared? You know, what, what is going on? And I, yeah. I just, I remember it being very unique. And then I kind of just, I probably wasn't in the main age demographic at the time or so I thought. So yeah. I just kind of forgot about it. And then suddenly VeggieTales is everywhere a few years <laughs> later. And ev- like not just little kids, but big kids and teenagers and their parents. Like you all made a show that appealed 
uh, not just to kids, but to viewers of all ages. The, the blend of humor, the novelty of the medium, uh, and the, the wholesome lessons, but also a little bit of snark y'all put in there. It just really yeah. was a great combination. Well, thank you. Yeah. And it, w- it was surprising to us, you know, cause obviously we were, we were gearing shows with lessons, um, you know, aimed at, you know, you know, four, four or five year olds, you know, just in terms of the lesson language, but we just loved, I mean, we loved making ourselves laugh, you know, making the shows. And so, um, you know, we'd put in jokes that, okay, a four year old is never going to get this, but mom will get it, you know, or dad will get it or their older sibling will. And so, and, and, you know, I look back to Bugs Bunny, you know, uh, watching Bugs Bunny as a kid and, and then again, and as adult, and there's a whole, you know, it's a whole onion, you know, whole layered onion of, of, you know, humor and, and meaning in there. And so, um, you know, we, we love that. And, and, but I do remember hearing back those first reports that, you know, high school youth groups and, you know, college dorms are having, you know, VeggieTales watching parties. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> wild. But then realizing, well, hey, you know, we're not much older than that ourselves back then. And, you know, we enjoy these. So why not? So, but yeah, it was really, it was really cool to see, to see all that happening. Yeah. So speaking of origin stories, I, I've kind of pulled my family and asked them, you know, what was kind of your first memory of all this? And my, my wife discovered it in college, you know, you mentioned that and she loved the, uh, I love my lips song. And she just laughs. She still laughs about that song over (laughs) and over. Uh, My oldest daughter loves the dancing cucumber and the, especially the no, how does the no comprendo part go? No comprendo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, in fact, I'll show you no comprendo. (laughs) I'll show you. See my poster in the back of me there. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. 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 Watch the cucumber. See how he moves. Yeah. Yeah. But then uh, for my, uh, my second uh, oldest daughter, kind of a funnier origin story for her. She was about three or four. So in, in that target range you mentioned when we first introduced veggie tales to her and it was through this little, um, a Christmas gift we gave her at the time. And it was, uh, and, and so she was opening all her gifts on Christmas and each one that she'd opened, she'd announce it. She's like, Oh, I got a teddy bear or I got a hair bow or I got uh-huh. a book. And then she opened Bob, the tomato and Larry cucumber. And she said, I got, this <laughs> she did not know <laughs> like she, we're like oh we and it, Mano, it hit us we're it? like what is it we haven't watched that with you that's why you that, don't know what this is but that it was is so, so funny, funny. Like, oh, we man. quoted that for years like i got this <laughs> wow. well speaking of christmas i still remember because i was mentioning earlier uh the the appeal to many different ages i remember i think we must have gotten the vhs tape of the toy that saved christmas yeah. Which I remember the time being very impressed by because the toy actually had animated limbs. The, yeah, I think that may have first. been. Yeah, I think that was a first. That was maybe a little bit before we did Fib from Outer Space, and Fib also had, you know. Yes, he did. Limbs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the, the but giant technology pickle was advancing. The giant pickle yeah. needed to uh, to do some boxing moves, and the gloves just floated in the air. And, and right, exactly. Yeah, Goliath. Yeah. yeah, the Goliath. Yeah, zucchini. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so uh, the uh, toy that saved Christmas. I remember there's this big sled chase scene at the end. And by the way, there's another notable joke about the the uh, the veggies' lack of limbs. And then at yeah. the end, everybody's hanging on to each other. And then uh, I think Mister Mister Nezer uh, gives the uh, gives the punchline there. And I know you're not supposed to sing the bunny song and you're not supposed to do the Mr. Nezer voice, but he just says into the echoing void, a little help. And I remember my dad <laughs> yeah. just watching that chase scene and my dad just cracked up. I, I don't know. He just, it just worked uh, on him and uh, it worked on yeah. a lot of us there. Uh, not just uh, the silly songs, but the stories themselves. But of course, oh, the man. silly songs 
just went absolutely nuts. And, and I understand you had a hand in many, uh, if not most of those silly songs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, I'm, you know, I, I was a big fan of, of parody music and, um, you know, Phil wrote the very first silly song, um, which is, uh, everybody's got a water Buffalo. Um, and oh, so, nice. uh, so he wrote that one and obviously I sang it as Larry. And then on our second episode, um, and, and that, that section was just, you know, where the silly song was, was just meant to be a break between the two songs. And our reference for that was Monty Python's and now for something completely different. Of you know, course. So we'd, we'd have, you know, our th- a thematic story and then, you know, break for something you know, completely different and then back to another thematic story. And so did that for episode one, episode two, um, did this kind of SNL type skit, you know, the forgive matic and it was probably, you know, you know, just loosely based off of the Bassomatic, you know, one of the early SNL John Belushi skits. And, um, uh, and oh, yeah. it, it was, it was okay, but it, it just, you know, it wasn't the same. It wasn't music. It. You couldn't sing it. And so we got letters, you know, after that, it's like, what happened to the silly songs? I was looking forward to another silly song. And so I remember Phil saying, Hey Mike, we need another silly song. And I'm like, okay, I'm on it. <laughs> and so, um, so I just remember, uh, you know, just what am I going to do? And I was in the shower one day and, you know, and I couldn't find my razor and I started singing, where is my razor? Where is my, and I, oh, and so in the bathroom, I kind of came up with this little operetta about, you know, looking for my razor. And I was like, oh, that's a great silly song. So I brought it, I, you know, went to work and I said, Hey Phil, I got this. And so I started singing and he just looked at me stone faced and he said, you can't sing songs about razors for kids. Are you crazy? <laughs> and so, <laughs> you like, can't, oh, we're not supposed to sing the razor yeah, song. <laughs> you're right. No razors. And so, so I, you know, came up with, you know, hairbrush, which was an equal amount of syllables and, and then, you know, off it went. So yeah. So hairbrush was my first. And then, um, I think dance of the, uh, oh no, I love my lips maybe was second. Um, and that one I wrote, uh, and that was, was in the Dave and the giant pickle. I think. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it was dance of the cucumber was in number four. Wasn't number four rack shack and Benny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so dance of the cucumber was next. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also, yeah. So three was hairbrush and then, and then, um, dance of the cucumber. And my wife is a uh, native Spanish speaking. She's from Colombia, And, um, she was, uh, we were sitting, we were dating at the time and we were sitting in her car and she was listening to this song called Los Americanos, which was, it was sort of you know, uh, kind of maybe a, a Spanish, you know, parody song. But in Spanish, the guy was singing about Americans and in doing so, he was kind of making fun of, you know, kind of, you know, Americans. Gringos, and, yeah. And, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, and so I just love, and so, and then, so I'm like, what is, what's he saying? And Lisa was translating it to me in American sitting there. And I just love that dynamic of being insulted, you know, by translation, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay, that's going to, that, that, that'll work really great. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of the origin of, of, um, dance of the cucumber. So it was fun over all those years just to kind of, you know, combine these things in real life in, you know, in a way that I thought was kind of odd and funny and, um, you know, come up with the, come up with the song, um, you know, from it. Which one did, would you say is your favorite one that you worked on? Oh man. You know, that's really hard. Cause there are, there, there, you know, the hairbrush was the the first one. So that's got a special place. I, I like, I liked all of the, the boys in the sink stuff, you know, um, that's actually my know, favorite. The yeah. Belly, belly button, button yeah. belly button did another one called bubble wrap. Um, I do like, uh, uh, you know, the cheeseburger song, even though Larry doesn't sing it, um, the Mr. Lunt, you know, just, I love Larry initially was going to sing the song. And, uh, it, it, that one was called drive-through girl initially. 
And instead of, you know, so he was falling, it was Larry falling in love with the drive-thru girl, which was weird. And so then I just like cast it as Mr. Lunt and that was even weirder. And so then it's like, <laughs> it's no, it weird, can't be a person. Mustache, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was just creepy. And so then it was like, you know, and, oh, wait, what if he's in love with a, a food item? That, that'd be funnier. So, um, yeah, so that was that one. But, uh, I, yeah, that was, you know, I think the pirates, uh, Barbara Manatee, I've got a, a solid Oak Barbara Manatee right behind me. It's one of my prized possessions. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that's so not uh, the stuffed object. Uh, it's a no. Wow. Okay. Yeah. One of our, one of our animators, his dad was a chainsaw sculptor and he, wow. he, he carved that with, from a chainsaw out of a solid block of Oak and it's, it weighs like 40 pounds. It's super, super. So super you're not going to be able to bring that uh, to the Orlando conference for Rumble. No, I won't, I, won't be able to, oh, I, okay. I won't be able to do we'll that. Just have to talk about it. Maybe bring a picture <laughs> or something. Yeah, so we yeah. can't make any promises regarding uh, Barbara Okati. Yeah, yeah, Okati. I like that. Well, something I saw that was really funny lately is how these old songs are kind of finding new life through you know internet memes. And one of them was the the water buffalo. Like everyone has a water buffalo, and then underneath it it says fact check. Not everyone has. It. It's like the social media, you know, like right, fact check. right, right. You know, learn more about water buffaloes and who actually owns them. And I was like, I right, love it. Right. That's great. <laughs> Going down the meme line, you know, one of my students pointed out to me. Hey, Professor Naraki, have you seen the weed eater meme? I'm like, what is the weed eater meme? And it was like, oh, no. uh, we, we did from, um, so it's it was the, the, the wonderful world of autotainment. Um, these two robots were telling jokes and the punchline was weed yep. eater, you know, so it was like this non sequitur kind of randomly generated joke and it turned into this whole meme thing. And I, you know, sure, sure enough, I went in and, you know, researched it and it was this whole thing. So it was, yeah, it was so cool to see stuff like that. You all actually did predict meme culture with those skits. It was such a random, <laughs> like in the future, all entertainment will be automated. You know, it'll be, <laughs> and that is basically you were predicting this kind of random, you know, Gen Z meme culture. In fact, the only thing yeah. y'all didn't predict was the amount of dark humor uh, that spreads amongst uh, younger audiences, <laughs> right, particularly right. on the internet. Y'all always yeah. had a lot of restraint when it came to uh, when it came to those things, which I always appreciated. Uh, even when uh, Mr. Lunt is in a Shakespeare skit and he dresses up as Ophelia and they, they, they <laughs> yeah. push him on the stage and he says, oh, I think we're going to get letters about this <laughs> yeah. meta moment like that, you know, especially yeah. like, kind of guessing what happened with that whole bunny song debacle. Uh, right, I, I always right. appreciated like y'all were in on the joke, you know, you, you were just it wasn't roasting the audience. You're still respecting the audience. Right. But you're also kind of acknowledging, you know, like, you, you probably did get some letters about the bunny <laughs> song. because I could just imagine right. the kids running around saying, I don't love my mom or my dad, just the bunny. <gasps> yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think what, you know, I, I think it was what, you know, you obviously growing up in the culture of the church, you know, you kind of know where the line is, you know, for, you know, and so you you kind of want to you kind of want to tiptoe up to it you know in a humorous way and you know maybe dip your toes over it you know and, and kind of come back but you know you know where that is and and how to be re you know how to be irreverent enough you know to, yes. to but without being insulting you know so uh you know we 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 love to do that and i think the yeah the bunny song was one of those and you know just just being self-referential to you know where knowing where the line was you know and sort of apologizing it on, for it on screen at times I just going back to something you said earlier about you really found this calling with humor. I, I would love to just hear why, you know, what, what you've seen God use that for or how you've seen God work through humor. Uh, because yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of everything you mentioned, you know, Weird Al Yankovic. I grew up with 
I, I grew up with both the tape for Michael Jackson bad and the oh, yeah. weird I'll take for fat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and pretty much every time he Got came out with one, I'd get that and I'd oh, listen yeah. to it with the other one. Oh man, yeah. another one rides the bus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know I just think it's um, I, I think you know filmmaking, story, t- visual storytelling, or you know, even you know you know books. Um, you know, just tie into emotion and we learn through emotion, um, you know, through, you know, when we're making a dramatic argument, uh, I think it needs to be proven out, uh, by a sense that this is emotionally true. You know, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're avoiding the eye roll, um, with any lesson, uh, if you feel that it's true, if, if you've done your job as a writer, um, to, uh, to lead your character, you know, through that change. Uh, in a way that when, you know, that, that lesson emerges, it's, it's true to the character, it's true to the story. Um, and sometimes that can be, you know, it can be a profound sort of awe, you know, sense of awe. Um, but, you know, I've found that in, you know, kind of my voice, you know, a lot of that just comes through humor, you know, and just, and I think humor is a great way to kind of point to truth uh, as well. But, um, you know, just it's it's an emotion uh, that you can use really well, I think, in storytelling to engage an audience and sometimes, um, you know, kind of lower those defenses a little bit, you know, to, you know, to a a message coming through uh, that's going to make it more acceptable. And for those blessed individuals going to the FBEA conference in Orlando, uh, one of Mike's uh, workshops is actually called A Spoonful of Sugar Incorporating Lesson into Story. Sounds like we just got a little sneak preview of uh, that lesson there, <laughs> Yeah, Mike. exactly, uh, along exactly. With h- how I ended up at an animated cucumber, uh, which is a workshop <laughs> you have on Friday. We'll have the link in the show notes to the news post that includes all that information uh, for those who want to go to that event. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I've, I, I've uh, used a couple of thoughts uh, from, from that, from that uh, spot or from, from that talk, so absolutely. So uh, a couple of years back, there was a movie called Elf with Will Ferrell, oh, and yeah. he's meeting with the... Uh, the, the famous children's author and they're trying to come up or I should say his dad is meeting with this famous author and they're trying to come up with the new children's story. And at yep. one point there's this line in the movie, you probably know what it is where he says, yeah. how about we try farm vegetables? Those are really hot right now. And I've always <laughs> wondered, yep. was that, was that a pointer to you guys? And did you take that as like, Hey, we, we made it. We got mentioned in a big, you know, Hollywood oh, yeah. movie now. Oh my goodness. Well, there's so much more to that story. Uh, that is so fascinating. So, um, all right. So we were acquired when we went through our bankruptcy in 2003, big idea. We were acquired by a company out of New York called classic media, and they owned a lot of classic, you know, uh, you know, cartoons like, you know, Rudolph and, um, Frosty and, uh, Lone Ranger and, you know, you name it, they just had acquired all that IP. So, uh, we were, we were a subsidiary of them. We, you know, we, we moved from Chicago down to Nashville and started making more shows. And, um, we, we, Phil wrote and I directed Lord of the Beans. And so we started this show. Movies came out. Yeah. 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 And so, and for us, we were operating under the assumption of parody law, which, you know, we had, you know, done in the past. And so we're like, okay, we're just making fun of this. So we're, we're standing on firm legal ground here. And so, um, so, but we yeah, it started to advertise, you know, that we're doing Lord of the Beans. And so we get a letter from uh, a cease and desist order from <gasps> Saul Zance. You know, Saul Zance sent you. Oh, wow. Yeah. I yeah. missed that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we got a cease and desist uh, that, you know, this is not parody. This, you're, you're, 
you know, uh, unlawfully using this without permission. And we were like, really, you know, and, and so, so from a legal standpoint, it was determined that we don't, you know, we could try to fight it, but we didn't want to fight that battle, but we were already, um, months into production. We had a lot invested in the show and we were even starting to do some merchandising and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, however, the Lord and his providence, uh, because classic media was one of our, you know, was, was our owner, um, right around that time, you know, the movie Elf was being made and the Saul's ants was also involved in that movie. And they came knocking on classics door saying, Hey, this IP that you own, um, this old rank and bass stuff. Yeah. And the Norwal, you know, and all of that. Yeah. We'd love permission for that. And they said, well, tell you what, you know, if you let us go ahead with Lord of the beans, you know, (laughs) we'll give you, we'll give you permission to, to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a trade. And so they, they agreed. We had to actually get rid of all the merchandise. We couldn't do any merchandise. So that's why you never saw any Veggie Tales Lord oh. of the Beans. We actually had to destroy like, you know, boxes of, you know, iracorns. <laughs> so, which was kind of sad. I never, and we never got any bootleg ones, you know, so they all just never left the factory. They just went right from the factory to the furnace. So but, don't um, go land hill, um, landfill diving looking for those alongside the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. games of the ET or any of that. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, so there was that connection between Veggie Tales and Elf in that way. So I got to think that that was all that was, you know, kind of kind of in there in, in the script. So it was it was wow, what crazy. a fascinating story. I yeah, didn't even yeah. know we'd be going there. I, I thought it would have been yeah. somebody who wrote Elf was a big uh, VeggieTales fan. It was a lot more intricate <laughs> yeah. than I had expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it could have been, you know, they, it, it could have been both. But I know we were definitely tied, you know, tied together in, in you know, in that way. So that must have been the olive branch that they uh, kind of extended after after all that went out. Yeah, so. yeah. And the funny thing was, I remember just going to see Elf in the theaters and uh, immediately recognizing, okay, this is this is going to always be my favorite Christmas movie. I just loved it so much. It was well, like, of this course, it's a- directed by John Favreau, who later on uh, kickstarted the MCU and helped save Star Wars, at least my opinion, uh, with yeah. the Mandalorian. So that oh, guy man. just seems he's just on a complete winning streak. That's incredible. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, y'all are on a winning streak as well. And and VeggieTales, it's still around. I mean, you know, still making new shows. Uh, people fondly remember the silly songs, uh, not just from the past, but also right up to the present, uh, present company included. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Mike, I presume you're still voicing characters then, like Larry the Cucumber and others for VeggieTales. So that's still very much a part of your reality. Am I right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, right now on Yippie, which is a streaming service, um, uh, Phil and I, uh, were part of 26 new episodes and I believe there's, they're still releasing those cause they were doing like a one a month release, you know, for a couple of years. And so, uh, those are still in release. So, um, those are all recorded and done with, um, but, uh, you know, probably that probably ended for me about a year ago but we were involved in, you know, the writing and voicing of those, of those things. And so, yeah, I, obviously the, though it's no longer a day-to-day thing for me, uh, the brand and the character, uh, it just is, it just has a special place for me and, and I'm always willing and, and able to, to answer the call, <laughs> answer the call of Larry. <laughs> so, well, would that be a Larry boy? It'd have to be that, yeah. uh, the plunger head, uh, signal in the sky there for Larry boy. That's right. Yeah, just Larry a little a little gruffer, you know, a little little more gruff in the voice. <laughs> well, my kids were wondering if you get recognized as Larry like at airports or bookstores or just whenever you're out and about. Well, he's a little less green than you would expect. Really. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, I tell people I tell people it's a great way to be famous because, you know, it, it's like you know 
when, when people find out who you are, it's like, oh, there's all this love and, you know, stuff that goes along with that, which is awesome. But, you know, nobody really knows who I am unless, you know, somebody can recognize me from a DVD special or whatever. It comes up in the context of a conversation. So you can kind of have a normal life, um, you know, and and not be recognized, you know, when you're going out to dinner (laughs) or at an airport or something like that. So so it's great. But I I love it. And people ask me, do you ever get tired of doing that voice? And I'm like, that voice fed my children. So I never get tired tired of doing that. I did. I must admit, I had that question in the back of my mind, you know, because Uh, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have somebody if you're good, as the Joker said, if you're good at something never do it for free <laughs> so it just depends on, on one's yeah. take on that and i'm, I'm sure there's yeah. some uh, some musicians who are rather sick and tired of uh, songs that the, they've gotten very popular uh for doing but that's that's really cool yeah. that you're still able to uh enjoy that legacy even though you've also and we'll get to this in a moment uh you've also moved into uh, your own uh, your own solo creation here the dead sea squirrels uh, i guess yeah. I'll move that, that question there that's the topic of my next question um that's the series that has been selling like gangbusters at the realm makers bookstore uh for middle grade kids uh lavishly comically illustrated uh the dead sea squirrels what 10 books into it now and of course we'll be selling those at the um, fpea uh, booth for realm makers uh, this coming weekend but uh why do kids love this series so much and I, I guess actually stepping back is what led to this idea and what have you enjoyed about uh branching off into this new fantastic universe oh man it's been so much fun so you know you know i mentioned before just how irreverent we were with veggie tales but one of the very strict lines that we adhered to back in the early days was to never and and continuing forward is to never depict jesus as a vegetable yes um, thank you <laughs> yeah it's just it's just okay we you know you, we knew where the line was and we weren't going to cross it and so um so which limited the amount of new testament stories obviously that we could tell with veggie tales and so that was always very much on my mind and you know a number of years ago um you know this this idea popped in my head as an animated series well what if you know uh what if characters from the first century could come come forward in time uh, you know, rather than going back in time, kind of like um, Encino Man, you know. <laughs> uh, and so so this this concept of Encino Man meets Indiana Jones, you know, meets a bad pun of, um, you know, Dead Sea Squirrels came came into my mind. And, and it just kind of hung there because I was always very, very busy, busy just making VeggieTales. And so when I left Big Idea full time in 2016, um, you know, I was I, I wanted to get it going as, as an animated series. And I was talking to a friend. Uh, whom I known for years and worked on some projects with, and he was actually his his background was in in the book world, and he said, "Mike, have you ever thought about this as an early reader series?" Um, and you know, it just it hadn't occurred to me. It wasn't my world, and but I thought, "Oh, that's really interesting." You know, I'd love to explore that because you know I'm a writer, and in in what a great way to develop the characters and the world and and do it in book form. So I went away for a couple months and just did some research on you know that that genre and um uh you know drafted some ideas and and he actually set up a lunch for me with uh Tyndale Publishing he has his friend Tyndale Publish uh, Tyndale Publishers Linda Howard and I thought it was just going to be a nice meet and greet so I'm out to lunch and he said hey Mike you know it was it turned out to be an ambush pitch <laughs> you know he said oh, Mike okay. yeah picture picture squirrels idea to Linda and I felt really ill prepared but you know I sort of you know got that out and she loved the idea and uh, so then did a six book deal. And so I kind of structured the story and it's all kind of a, you know, it, it's, it's unlike VeggieTales, every, which, which every story is sort of self-enclosed. My idea for Squirrels has always been to have this bigger narrative that plays out. Um, and, you know, with a, 
with a with a theme uh, that that actually resolves in each book, but then you know bigger narrative that continues. Um, you know, kind of you know what we're seeing on streaming in general now nowadays. And so, um, so so I kind of you know drew up the the arc of season one and kind of left that not knowing exactly where it was going to go after that, and then uh, which was one through six. And then those started doing well and Tyndale came back and said, Hey, we'd love to do six more books. So we, you know, we extended that to a 12 book deal. And so then I sort of, you know, did that arc and, and, um, was writing, writing through it. And, and they were, I just really enjoyed the, the writing process, you know, after having just been a screenwriter for so many years, the, the, the ability to, to do internal dialogue and, and narrative commentary was <laughs> so much fun. It's like, wow, you know, I can, you know, kind of have, make a little comment here, you know, about things and, you know, with, with, and with screenwriting, it's like, okay, no, you have to, you know, you, you have to write what you're going to see, you know, nothing that's everything. not going to be seen. Yeah. yeah. You got to show everything, you know? And so, you know, none of, none of those little narrative things or, you know, internal dialogue ever come through, you know, so it's just a different discipline. So, but I just had so much fun doing it. And, um, uh, yeah, so it just, it was just really fun to be able to do that. Obviously it tracks, uh, I, and, and the other thing that I loved about it too, is I based it off of, um, my own son, Michael, um, the, the two main characters, uh, besides Merle and Pearl Squirrel are Michael and Justin and my son, my real life son, Michael, his best buddy's name was Justin growing up. And so, you know, kind of playing off their relational dynamic and, you know, integrating that into the show and then. Uh, you know, many things about my own family are sort of reflected in, in that show as well. And so I just had fun kind of tapping into all of that and creating this world uh, in this, you know, kind of this lore of, you know, these two squirrels who, uh, you know, Merle, you know, has always wanted to visit the Dead Sea because you can't sink, you know. So, you know, the first century, he builds a little raft and takes his his bride, you know, down to the Dead Sea, but he hasn't thought that far ahead and they can't get you know, they can't get back and they end up, you know, getting, you know, going into a cave to get some shade and get out of the heat and become, you know, trapped there and encased in salt for a millennium. And uh, so they're found by this little boy, Michael, who is his dad's an archaeologist. He's there on a summer dig. Michael come, he's brought Justin along with him, finds these squirrels and he stashes them in his backpack, sneaks them back home with him to Tennessee, sets them up on his dresser uh, with the window open at night and they get rained on and come back to life. And uh, you know, now they have, you know, all this knowledge from, you know, growing up around the Sea of Galilee when Jesus had his ministry there to, you know, to the modern day. So they're able to share stories of first century with Michael and, and his friends in the modern day. Uh, and so that's kind of kind of the setup of the show. And uh, so it was just really fun. And, you know, obviously, I, I you mentioned, yeah, 10 books are out now. I just turned in uh, the final manuscript for book 11. And then book 12 will be my, my summer project <laughs> this year. And then we're also, you know, we can probably get into more discussion about this too, animating the shows as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. Cause you've said yeah. a few times, I mean, it starts off as, as these you know, books for early readers, but then also uh, you've, you've mentioned that it's going to be a show. So yeah, yes. so we want to talk about uh, how it's gone from this original show idea, then to this book series, uh, and then now back to being an, an actual animated series coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, it's such a, a, a you know, it's so surprising because I would have had no idea how to, you know, that, that it would have traced this path, it, you know, just have seen God's hand at work throughout this whole thing. But um, so I mentioned, you know, I left Big Idea in 2016 with this idea and then, you know, started developing into books. And the other thing that I did was I, I met with a friend of mine who I, I'd worked with uh, on several projects before with VeggieTales, Steve Taylor, uh, who's Christian songwriter and, um, you know, a filmmaker. And uh, Steve had started a film, helped start a film school uh, at Lipscomb University in, in Nashville. 
And uh, you remember, I want to be a clone. Uh, you yeah, know I was wondering, song? is yeah. it that Steve Taylor? It's that Steve Taylor. Okay. That's right. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, so, uh, so I met with Steve and just to see what was going on in his life. And he talked about the school and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. He, and he asked me if I had ever thought about teaching. And I thought, yeah, I, you know, I think that would be awesome. I would love to do that. But I had, would have no idea how to teach in the arts because my underground background was in, you know, biology. And so, um, so I, I came on to Lipscomb as uh, an artist in residence and then went through their, uh, MFA in film program. So masters of fine arts in film. And as I was going through that, uh, as a student, I was using that as an opportunity to now do adaptations of the books into screenplays and turn them in as assignments. And so, you know, I would, nice. you know, I would, you know, kind of doing double duty as a student and getting credit for that. And then, you know, uh, turning those in and then, you know, for like a, for, for a producing class, I actually, you know, did the, you know, the, the pitch Bible for, for the squirrel series and kind of teeing it all up and getting this ready to go as a show. Uh, so by the time I graduated, um, you know, I had something, something to pitch and, and I actually got an offer, um, you know, as a licensing offer. And, uh, I took it to Steve and, uh, he said, well, you know, we could actually probably just figure out a way to do this yourself. I mean, you've done VeggieTales for 25 years. Why wouldn't we be able to, to do this? And so we actually, um, you know, found some money for a, for a pilot, did that, uh, and then, um, did a Kickstarter. Um, and through the Kickstarter, we, we identified a couple other folks who, you know, that we, we didn't raise it through the Kickstarter. We ended up sh shutting that down, but a couple of other folks reached out to us that were interested in funding it. And, um, you know, so now we're in full production of 13 episodes and, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, animating number seven right now, episode seven, each, each, each book equals one, one, uh, episode. And so, you know, we're looking at, uh, being complete with uh, having a complete animated series by, you know, probably late 2023 now. So, um, it's just been amazing seeing it all come together and it's so much fun to see these characters, you know, in the books now coming to life, um, in animation. That's spectacular. Will the squirrels have moving animated limbs? <laughs> of course they do. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course they will. And it's and it's in a different animated style too. You know, so yes. VeggieTales obviously was CGI. This uh, we're doing squirrels in traditional animation. So uh, uh, they're they're you know um, you know just you know, traditional two D. And it's just a fun fun look. And uh, you know just love the personality we're working. So we're doing each episode is twenty two minutes. We're doing uh, we're animating two minutes of every episode at the college with with animation students like junior and senior animation students so we're integrating it into their curriculum they're getting paid to do it um they're getting imdb credit uh and you know making something while they're in college which is awesome and then yeah. we're we're partnering with a, another animation studio in new zealand to do the bulk of the the show um so it's really it's really neat how it's all worked out and you know students are benefiting the school is benefiting and obviously we're we're making a show so it's 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 wonderful and do you have a streaming partner yet for the show? We don't. No. So that's the big announcement. We're we're, we're talking to folks right now, uh, but we hope to to uh, you know have that announcement in the in the coming weeks. So, um, but we're excited. Yeah. Well, just to go back to something you said about you know starting this out through Kickstarter and then now partnering with a school. Um, you know, a while ago you had talked about uh, breakthrough technologies at the time of the early '90s. Yes. You know, being able to distribute directly on VHS through the mail. Instead yep. of going through TV networks, uh, you know, getting around the gatekeepers with these yeah. kind of technologies. And it now sounds like you, you're finding a new way to do that, both through the fundraising, which I know you said it kind of went a different way, yeah. but then now through streaming and then this university. So I, I think this is such a great lesson 
for all Christian creators, just to look for those ways around the gatekeepers because yeah, the, the, the gates are going up higher and higher in, in, in culture in a lot of ways, but right. the Lord always makes a way. So oh, that, he abs- absolutely has. And it's just so, it's so neat to see it at work, you know, because, you know, even with VeggieTales, after we made it, we look back, you know, there were so many things that, that, you know, we, we uh, a rational business person at the on, outset of it would say that would never work, you know? And in fact, we were trying to raise money. It's like, what vegetables telling Bible <laughs> stories? Are you crazy? Right. And so that's not any kind of business model. And now, you know, and, and that was, that business was built off a home video uh, model, which doesn't exist anymore really, you know, because you know, the, the shows, there's so much to, they cost so much to make. Um, you need to sell X number of videos to make the the business model work. And obviously, you know, that uh, in 2016, which is when I left Big Idea, the reason I left is because um, there was just no more business left for that. We were spending so much, you know, each each of our episodes, you know, was costing near a million dollars to make. Um, and, you know, VHS or DVD sales, you know, were just not supporting that. And so uh, there was no more business left. And so, but now it's about streaming. And so how do you get, how do you raise the money? you know, to make the quality type of quality content that you need to, to get on a streaming series to, you know, to, to make, to make that money back. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of different, you know, pieces of the puzzle that, you know, or it's just, uh, it, 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 you just, depending on what you have, uh, how you put that together, the, the folks that come around you, it takes a lot of people, uh, giving a lot and, and a lot of resources to be able to make that happen. And I'm just so grateful and thankful that, that this one is coming to life. Well, in addition to the resources being provided in that direction, you also have a, a what seems to me just from the outside to be an increasing market demand. Uh, even before you know some of this uh, recent uh, fracas about Disney, uh, you had a lot of people, you know, evangelical parents as well as just other kinds of parents. You know, they're just looking for more visual and written uh, entertainment yeah. that reflects their values. And you know, speaking yeah. as a as a gospel believing Christian, you know. I'm interested in material that reflects not only moral values, but actually points to the gospel. Like you were mentioning, emphasizing right. the New Testament and the life of Christ. And like, yeah. I, I think that that's what we need. You know, it, it's great to have more common grace emphasis on values that are common to Christianity and other religions, but it's especially great to have that emphasis on Christ and the gospel and his life, death and ministry. Uh, yeah. That's what I really look forward to seeing more of. But at the same time, I'm, I'm also encouraged that there's more of a market just for you know, more traditional family values, you know, it kind of feels like it's the eighties and nineties again, but now things are at least technologically different uh, because as you mentioned, the videotapes have kind of gone away and then streaming is next. Uh, But you also get uh, a very similar uh, uh, effect where people are able to do this on their own uh, without the gatekeepers like Zach mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the trick, cause you can make anything and put it up on your own YouTube channel and that sort of thing. But then the question becomes, okay, you know, uh, to get to a level of storytelling and a level of quality requires, you know, X number of resources to be able to do that. And, you know, a 22 minute animated episode uh, requires a lot of people and a lot of resources. And so, um, you know, uh, you'd have to have a really, you know, and we're not building a YouTube channel to get that audience at this point, you know, some that that's another that's another model. You can start creating, you know, shorter form content for your own YouTube channel and gain an audience. and then you know, be able to pay for stuff that way. Um, but yeah, but this model requires, you know, a deal with a, with a streamer. So, uh, um, but you know, I do think, you know, we're, we're wired for story and we want stories that, um, you know, that, that reflect, 
you know, how, how we see the world, um, you know, in ways that, that are true. And, uh, you know, if we can do that in an effective way and be really engaging, I think there's always going to be, there, there's always going to be a need for that. And, um, you know, and I think Christians are, are getting better about telling stories and, and, you know, in, in, in the craft of telling stories. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I want to see that continue. And, you know, that, and that's part of what excites me about, you know, teaching, you know, at this, at this phase of my career in life too, it's just, you know, that raising that next generation, you know, to tell, to tell stories, um, where, you know, that assume that there's a God who made us, who loves us and who wants a relationship with us. And now it's time for story spoilers with Mike Naraki, the part of the show where we try to get <laughs> Mike Naraki to give us a story spoiler. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you mentioned that uh, book 11 is coming out for the Dead Sea Squirrels book series. Do you all have a fixed title for that book? Yes, we do. That title is called A Twisty Turny Journey. So um, book 11 will be called. We, we, we nailed down that title just a few weeks ago, actually. So um, yeah, so it's A Twisty Turny Journey. Okay. So we get to announce it here. I'm curious too, with the animated adaptation of the show about the voice cast, I wonder if you're involved with that or if y'all are also hiring uh, people from the the college department there or any other notables that might show up in the production that you can reveal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, I'm the voice of Merle squirrel. So, um, yeah. So I do Merle. It's kind of like this, maybe a little squeakier, you know, so I, I'm Merle squirrel (laughs) and, um, uh, uh, a local, uh, uh, Jenny Littleton, who is a local Nashville actress, uh, does the, the, the voice for, for Pearl. Um, and then, yeah, we have involved, uh, because we, we, we love at the, the college I'm part of, we love to integrate all of the departments together. And so we've pulled in, you know, we're, we're working with animation students, but we're also working with, you know, musical theater and acting students. So we've pulled in, um, you know, quite a few of them for, for voice work. And when we did our pilot, we actually cast all students for all the roles. And then um, the ones that really worked, we kept in those roles. And then we, uh, you know, looked out more to professional actors for, you know, to kind of fill in, you know, the ones that we really needed to. So, so it's been really great integrating students into that too. So, but um, uh, Michael is played by Jason Marsden, who is a, uh, um, you know, long-term voice, voiceover actor. Actually, I know uh, that to, name. Who has he been? Was he in yeah. Young Justice? Is he a Ninja he, Turtle? <laughs> uh, he was in the Goofy movie. He was. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's done quite a was bit. He, of was he was he Max in the Goofy movie? Yeah, he was Max in the Goofy oh, movie. I believe. Yeah, cool. that's yeah, where yeah, I yeah, recognize yeah. him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but just a great, great actor, and so it's been fun working with him, and uh, um, and then just you know local uh, you know professional actors as well. So, um, but yeah, and it's been you know now that we're 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 actually completely done with three episodes, and we had a um, a screening for cast and crew just a couple nights ago, and just watched the first three back to back with cast and crew. It was so cool because you know, the, the cast had come together. So, you know, the voice, you know, just all the characters are playing off each other so well and the story came together and, you know, everybody was super excited to see, to see it all starting to come to life. That's fantastic. Oh, and I love how you said that we are wired for story and that right there, that's a great illustration of it, that that's really what electrifies us. And, you know, God's love was told to us through a story. I mean, through an actual event, not just a made up story. Right, but a real story, and yeah. we tell that story to others, but yep. both in its you know pure essence, the original form yeah. that Paul recounts in First Corinthians fifteen. But then we also adapt that into other stories, um, and like I said earlier, that we we are proving emotionally that that yeah. God is real and the Bible is true because we we're, we're told to love God not just with our minds but with our heart, with our, yeah. our heart and our strength. Yeah. And so I love that you guys are doing that, and I. I can't wait to 
get my my younger kids now uh, into these stories. I think they're really going to like these. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. No, my, my dog won't like him because he hates all the squirrels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, this does seem I mean, to be a really anti-dog franchise. Come to have to have a certain squirrel tolerance. <laughs> Although my dog seems to like, hold on for a second. It's hiding behind the poster here. I've had to hide these because my dog will find them and I'll see them walking <laughs> oh, around okay. with the plush oh, Merlin so Pearl in his mouth. It's like... Stuffed versions of Merlin Pearl. Yeah, from the yeah, yeah. Squirrels. And the cool thing is, they they've got magnets in their paws, and so they hold oh, hands. Isn't that cool. the cutest thing? That is so say. based, Mike. They are in love. They are a they, good married couple. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> love, love Merlin Pearl, and Pearl's got her own little, you know, set of pearls, you know, little pearl necklace on there, and everything. So, and I, I love Merle's uh, big eyebrows. Is is a is a gentleman with some bushy eyebrows. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got some Merle brows going right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Merle brows. It now has a hashtag. Congratulations. Zach. <laughs> well, speaking of internet marketing, uh, two part question for you, Mike. As we draw to a close, uh, first, uh, where can folks find out more about you and the Dead Sea Squirrels on the interwebs? And then in a moment, yeah. they'll ask about the FPEA and what you're looking forward to there as well. Yeah, so we've got a website, deadseasquirrels.com. Um, it's not as robust as we would hope to be, you know, that we're, we're looking looking at building that up more, but certainly you can find out more about uh, the series there. Link to, I've got a website, mikenaraki.com. Uh, and then of course, you know, our stuff is available on Amazon uh, to read specifics about the, the books and, and order the books. Okay. And what are you looking forward to in the FPEA conference? So we're going to be there at the Realm Makers bookstore again. Uh, I'll be there as well as yeah. you, uh, Catherine Jones-Payne, James R. Hannibal, a bunch of other authors that we're going to uh, list in the, in the link in our show notes. I love, yeah, I, I, I love book signings. I love meeting fans. It is funny because uh, I've done maybe one or two with squirrels and m more people know, you know, the first one that I did, nobody knew about squirrels. They knew about VeggieTales, but they didn't know about squirrels. And the second one, I got more folks that I was signing for that were familiar with the series and started to be fans of Dead Sea Squirrels. And so that's fun. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting, you know, both veggie and squirrel fans and getting to talk to them. Uh, and then of course, you know, the two talks that I'm giving, how I became an animated cucumber. And then also, um, you know, about incorporating lesson in the story. I always, uh, I, I just, I just enjoy, uh, you know, talking to folks about, you know, my story and, and, you know, what, what storytelling means to me. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about the conference. That's just a great balance of topics right there. Yeah, I, I can confirm, uh, Mike, although we had a near miss at the uh, at the conference in Nashville last year that teach them diligently. Uh, we haven't met yet, but we'll meet in uh, Orlando. And uh, we missed you in uh, Pigeon Forge uh, just a few weekends ago. But mm. the Dead Sea Squirrels sell themselves by this point. Uh, people cannot <laughs> oh. get enough of those. Uh, everybody's oh. looking forward to that new book. I, I get to see just the the enjoyment of parents and kids who just who just love this new series. Oh, Stephen, thank you so much. I'm so excited. And yeah, it's just neat to see the reaction to it and, you know, folks getting excited about Merle and Pearl and Michael and Justin and, you know, the, the whole cast. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to, to meeting you in person. Everybody needs a squirrel. So if they don't have a water buffalo, they better get a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us. Zach, it was a pleasure. Uh, Stephen, thank you as well. It's great being here with you guys. Godspeed, Mike. Steven, that was a lot of fun with Mike. Um, I think my kids are really going to love this Dead Sea Squirrels series. Uh, we're going on a big road trip this summer, and uh, one of my kids uh, especially gets really car sick. And so I think we're going to have to listen to these stories, and I'll bet they're going to want to listen to them over and over and over again. Uh, it sounds super entertaining, so I can't wait. 
Yeah, Zach, stuff that Mike Naraki makes tends to have that effect of getting played over and over again by kids. I meant to tell him actually about this grievance I have against the VeggieTales franchise uh, during a short-lived stint of a, being an employee at a certain Christian bookstore chain whose <laughs> physical locations have since closed. Right around this holiday oh, season, there was a VeggieTales nativity set. I don't know if you'd ever seen oh, this one. Oh, yes. You've heard of this monstrosity, yes. have you? Yeah, you <laughs> would push the button of the little junior asparagus angel at the top, and it would just shriek out, Oh, little town of Bethlehem! And it would continue in this <laughs> manner. What would be even better is if you uh, went across every single item of this toy on the shelf and pressed every single one in rapid succession. <laughs> and then you have this junior asparagus chorus from the underworld, uh, uh, shrieking out about <laughs> little town of Bethlehem. So <laughs> it's just, it's what happens when you make something that's popular and well-loved by kids. It just gets played over and over. We will yeah. only play once though, through our comm station. So let's go over there and see what holographic messages have arrived. Push some buttons here, clear off some notifications. Uh, here's one from a hero of the Lorehaven Guild, the Discord server, where we are going through right now for our book quest in the month of May. Maxine Justice, Galactic Attorney. We also share each episode of the podcast. And one hero of the guild really enjoyed episode 112. Uh, that's the one about how do we love our enemies, even if we are called to defeat them. And this person said, quote, absolutely loved this episode and how you used story to wrestle with loving your enemy instead of philosophizing about it. End quote. That was exactly our point there. It is not easy to love your enemy. Uh, I really resent it when Christians act like it is, and all you have to do is be winsome, and, and it's going to be easy somehow. No, it's not, because your relationship to your enemy will vary often based on your calling and your relationship to that person. I like philosophy about this sort of thing, but sometimes you just need to step back and try to wrestle through this using stories, uh, which we tried to do. Uh, I think uh, it was really fun to go through Star Wars and Spider Man and Man of Steel, and ask, how did those heroes love their enemies? So really appreciate that encouragement there, oh, hero of the guild. Well, and we got another great message in the mailbag. This is from D.T. Powell, who uh, caught up, or found our podcast uh, recently as a, a new listener, and uh, says, quote, I know I'm about two years late on this one, but I was so glad to find this episode. And DT Powell is talking about episode 14. What if Jesus promised to redeem not just people in creation, but also fantastic stories? And the message continues, quote, a fictional character is the reason I'm sitting here right now. God used him to show me things about myself I never would have otherwise seen. That was 19 years ago, and that moment has had such an effect on me in my life that I would actually consider that character to be an old and cherished friend. End quote. Um, th this was so fun to, uh, to get this and, and to think about that. And yeah, just to think about how God uses these characters in our lives, almost like the real people or like, like a dream of a dream or a memory of a memory. And so, um, I love the sentiment here. I, I just, I love this story that, that God worked through a story and brought this person to Christ. Next on Fantastical Truth, as graduations loom, plus summer vacations or mostly working vacations like the one I'm about to do in Orlando, we are planning the best topics and guests for a possible summer bookbuster season of episodes here on Fantastical Truth. 
And from there, I think we are going to check in with that series within a series that we've done called Armies of the Aliens. There was a recent dust up in Washington, D.C., where they were talking about uh, unmanned aerial phenomena or unmanned, what is it, unidentified aerial, Zach, what's the new? Unidentified aerial phenomena. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Yeah, they love them some acronyms there, especially if it's a new, (laughs) fresh and exciting one. We all just got used to UFO, but now we got to call it UAPs. Anyway, there was a meeting about that. We have naturally got to talk about that here on the podcast. So perhaps we will discover a fun plot twist about that one, that the only way to defeat invading aliens is homeschooling. That's how I'd like to see (laughs) that episode go. Uh, But we'll have to see what we get into when we explore that only after talking about the conference. We'll have some other guests coming up for you here on the podcast. Meanwhile, you too, like our last reader there about episode 14, uh, may have benefited from teaching by way of fictional characters. The ones that Mike Naraki has made have been singing vegetables and talking squirrels who have somehow been preserved by Dead Sea Salt over 2,000 years, uh, only just arrived in the 21st century to talk to us about the New Testament. Either way, let's not feel silly about that. You can sing a silly song, but don't feel silly that way. Let's just embrace that. We know that Jesus uses these fantastical creations, zany and otherwise, to teach us more about himself and moral virtue and the way to accept him and look forward to life with him forever as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth. 